Welcome back, everybody. So we are back into it. Um, hope everybody had a great weekend. Uh, the last two episodes of the of the Last Dance doc it aired on Sunday. I watched. I'm sure a lot of people watch. Uh, those ratings over the last uh five weeks, over the last five weeks, and you know watching these episodes, all of like the ratings for the last five weeks were great. It gave us some great talking points. I mean, just from everybody. Um, in the sports world, it gave us some great talking points. Uh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk. We're gonna dive right into the MJ doc or what we or what my my thoughts on the you know the last two closing episodes. Uh, we got some NFL talk. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna bring up my overs and unders again and my predicted records because uh, I I just I just noticed something and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up some I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up my overs and unders again. We're gonna talk about the Rooney Rule, which is really important. We're gonna talk about the Rooney, the Rooney Rule, uh, and the changes that the NFL has made, and what uh, is to come of the Rooney Rule, um, or some advancements. So, without further ado, we got we got we got we got some things to get into today. Hope everybody's doing fine. I'm doing good. I'm doing great. So, let's get into it. episodes of the last dance doc uh aired on sunday i watched i was all eyes i was all in and throughout the entirety of the documentary i enjoyed it and i i just enjoyed it like i, I told you guys my thoughts on certain characters last week um i'll probably do it again this week but uh, I told you guys my thoughts, and I told you guys how I feel about MJ's, uh, how, how my fandom has grown for Michael Jordan just by watching this doc. I, I, you know, you get to see the, the brilliance behind the game, um, the hunger behind the game. What, like, you know, you, you, just, you get an inside scoop of what Michael Jordan is really like. And I thought that was phenomenal for people that just didn't know that. He he was private during his playing career, very much private now after he's retired and is still talked about 20 years later. That is a living legend. That, that's what you call a living legend. That's what you call a living legend right there. But um first thing first. I know there's some other I know like the, the I know like I've heard some negative uh feedback, you know, as far as his doc. And it's not nothing bad, but it's just 
some people think it's one-sided and it's coming from Michael Jordan's perspective and wish they could have other players' perspective. Me personally, this is the guy that I want. This is Jordan is the guy I want to hear from. I don't want to hear from any other player. That's just me. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to hear from another player t- telling me about the Bulls' story or uh, the Jordan story. I don't want to hear from another player. I want to hear from Jordan himself. So I'm, I'm kind of glad that it was like um, – I'm not gonna say it was it was uh it was one sided, but it was it was it was Jordan heavy, you know. Jordan, you know, he still had he had the final say so's on what was said and what was being said. I have no problem with. Uh that was the guy I wanted to hear from. So I know there's some foreign players that's a little like, ah, you know, Jordan he wasn't saying the right things, so he's not telling the truth. I, I don't I don't care. This this is the guy I wanna hear from. But with this whole LeBron and with this Jordan and LeBron uh, goat debate and conversation that we all just love to have, and that and that ever since LeBron has really won his third title against Golden State, the goat discussion and the, the goat debate has uh, it, it started. It's it, it started, and you know we just we overlook certain guys, but it just it, you know we just we have elevated LeBron. Uh, and then we, you know, of course, Jordan is universally known as the greatest basketball player of all time. But with with this GOAT debate, LeBron, it's kind of unfair. It's kind of unfair. And, and before I even get started, I think Jordan is the greatest player of all time. I, I, I think he is. I think he is number one. But it's kind of unfair. It, it, you know, it, it's unfair. It's an unfair debate to have because I don't think LeBron... Is uh I, like for him in this conver in this like type of debate in this conversation outside of the numbers and championships, I don't think LeBron is uh he's not chasing or trying to catch Michael Jordan's game. He just he's LeBron has to catch that. In some people some people opinion, he has to catch that Jordan's game, Jordan's airiness, but also. He got to catch the persona and the label that Jordan has. He has to catch all of those things. So that's why I think it's kind of an unfair debate. It's kind of an un, it's kind of an unfair debate when you're ha- when you're talking about Jordan and, and, and LeBron because it's like Le- Jordan uh first first big time first big time basketball player athlete at Nike essentially made Nike. Nike at that time company was fairly new. It wasn't Adidas. It wasn't Converse. It it wasn't it, it wasn't it was it wasn't all these it wasn't none of those brands. So you 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 think that he built Nike to where I mean essentially he built Nike to where it is now. He's a big portion of that. Uh 10% of Nike's like revenue is generated from Jordan, just from Jordan himself. That's like ten percent. You may look at that as a small percentage, but as far as revenue and 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 buy, like that's a lot. That's a, that's a huge percentage where Jordan gear and merch and shoes and sneakers are are, are, are so and it, it weighs in really. It weighs it weighs in heavily. So he's not. So LeBron. I feel like LeBron. He's not chasing. His game or Jordan's records or Jordan's rings, because LeBron. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Because LeBron, he's the first. He's the bigger athlete. He's the bigger male. Some people would probably say LeBron is probably the better athlete, but LeBron is the bigger male. He has about three, four inches on Jordan. 
Uh, he has about he he has about thirty five to forty pounds more muscle than Jordan. He's the bigger he's the bigger male. He's the bigger guy. But not just only that. Just not you know you don't got to go from the physical aspect. But look at who LeBron. You know as far as his title runs, his title runs has been a little bit. Uh, you know as, as far as the guys that he has beaten in the finals. You know the Warriors and the, the Spurs. He's beaten two dynasties in the finals. Jordan, um, not so much. Um, you know Jordan, not so much. You know he's he played Phoenix. Phoenix was pretty good. Uh, the Lakers, mm, Lakers with no Kareem. You know that that was a, that, that wasn't the late that wasn't the eighties Lakers that Jordan played. We can all admit that. Wasn't the 80s Lakers. You don't, I don't take it away from them, but let's be honest. It was not the 80 Lakers. Uh, he played Portland. They had some pretty good players, but is Portland really as good as Golden State was in 2016? Nah, I don't think so. Neither was Utah both times. Neither neither was uh, Seattle, and those teams were really good. Though all those teams that Jordan beat in the finals, they were good Western Conference teams, but... Uh, I, I don't know if they. I don't even know if some of those teams even help. Are I don't even know if some of those teams are as good as the Spurs teams. Uh, I don't even know if I, I don't even think some of these teams are as good as the 2016 Warriors teams. So, you given the fact that LeBron, bigger athlete, LeBron Finals opponents have been uh, a, a bit more impressive. That's the better word. A bit more impressive, I would say. Um, LeBron, as far as, as far as stats, I mean, in some stats, LeBron has already surpassed Jordan, but I mean, when LeBron decides to hang it up, LeBron would, would, he would, he would crush, he's going to crush Jordan in, in, in in just about every stat. He's going to crush Jordan in just about every stat outside of points per game. But as far as all-time points, he's already passed Jordan. And LeBron has his eyes set on the all-time scoring leader in Kareem. And, hell, LeBron might even score 40,000 points. So he would crush Jordan as far as stats because longevity has been on LeBron's side. He would crush Jordan's stats. If you want to bring up stats, LeBron would probably win that argument. I mean, it's outside of points per game, but you look at every other statistical category as far as a career average or career totals. LeBron has crushed it. LeBron has crushed it. You can put LeBron up. You can put LeBron stats up against anybody's in the modern game, in the modern day game, and he 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 kind of he beats them. He beats them. So numbers is not going to be an argument. Numbers is not going to be an argument. LeBron has numbers. LeBron, hell, LeBron's won multi, he's won titles with two different franchises. Jordan can't say that. Jordan, Jordan can't say that. Jordan went to the Wizards, and we all know how that went. <laughs> we all know how that went. I, we don't. We don't need to talk about that. But I feel like there's. I, I, I think in this country, uh, well, not even probably not even in this country, but worldwide, I think there's just a deeper love for Jordan than LeBron. There's deeper love. There, I think there. I think there is simply a deeper love for Jordan, and I don't think. I don't. And I don't. I don't think that. LeBron, I don't think LeBron can surpass that. I don't think LeBron can surpass that. They did. I mean, ESPN. Uh, they did a poll, a seventeen poll, a seventeen like they posed a poll and had seventeen different categories. 
Jordan won all of them, and he won and he won those on an average of seventy percent to thirty percent. Now, some of those some of those categories I wouldn't agree with, like best passer. I think LeBron's the the better passer. I think I I don't even know you can name three other guys in league history that passes better than LeBron. That's just my opinion. LeBron I think is a better passer, uh, easier teammate or better. Who like who's the better teammate? Uh, I mean, some people probably say LeBron because LeBron is a little bit more, uh, a little bit more kind and you know, more relatable and kind, you know, I don't know. Laughter, you know, some people, some people may think that LeBron is the better, quote unquote, better teammate. Who do you want to start your franchise around? Uh, Jordan retired quite. Jordan retired twice. So I don't, I don't know. LeBron hasn't retired. LeBron shows longevity. So, you, you, you know, some of those. Um, and clutch, like clutch performer. Who it was? I think one of the guys was like uh, game winning shot. I would take Jordan too because I think Jordan is the better offensive player. Jordan has the best mid range game uh, in league history. But I think LeBron is a little bit underrated in that aspect as far as like clutch performer and game winning shots. I think he's I think he's a bit underrated. He's had some bad moments, um, and and and, and, and you know he's had some bad moments um, when when. When his team has a punt where where his team was depending upon him, yeah, he's had some bad moments. Um, but I think LeBron, I think he's a little underrated if you ask me. I think he's underrated as far as clutch um, and you know taking taking a game with a shot. But hey, I would take Jordan too. I would take Jordan too. And I think in another category which I found funny was who would win one on one. Like I said. LeBron is the bigger male. He's the stronger guy. I, as far as a physical specimen, LeBron. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know how LeBron. I don't. Maybe Jordan could win, but I would probably pick LeBron one on one. LeBron one on one. I probably pick LeBron. LeBron's the bigger guy. He has a couple inches on. He has a couple inches. Of, well, not a couple. A few inches on Jordan. Uh, so you know the the poll. The, the you know the, the categories in the poll. It was a, it was a, it was a little bit of recency bias. But it was still a good. It was a. It was a pretty good measure, measurement as far as like hash, as far as like quote unquote goat debate. But I think, well, like I said, I think LeBron. It's a little bit bigger than trying to chase Jordan's game or chase how you know the rings. I think it's a little bit big bigger than that. I think it's a, you know, with Jordan still selling shoes, with him signing, with him signing players now, with him still being a, even a, a damn talking point. He's he hasn't even played in twenty years. He's been he's he's left the game twenty years, and he's still a, a major focal point and talking point in basketball. Uh, I I don't, I don't know. And like I said, I, I I like Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan's a great player. Tim Duncan's a great player. But uh, twenty years down the road, unless he's a coach, I don't think we're gonna be talking about Tim Duncan and. How great he was! I don't, I don't, I just don't think he. I don't think we are because it's just not that fascinating. And I like Tim Duncan. I think Tim Duncan's the greatest power forward ever. But twenty years down the road, I don't. Uh, I wouldn't be as interested in watching the Tim Duncan documentary. That's just me. That's just me. I just didn't find him fascinating. He wasn't fascinating enough. I like interest. And I, like I said, I don't think a lot of people would buy into it. You know, that's all I'm saying. But with Jordan, it's a little bit different. It's the it's the mantra. It's the it's the swagger that I it's the swagger that I've been pointing to uh you know since the beginning of this talk. 
it's it's just a little bit more different. And I'm telling you, the the, the I, I keep bringing up the sne- the shoes and the sneakers and as far in the Jordan brand because that's big because that is the that was, that's one of the main catalysts and reasons why he's still very much talked about. And 20 years later, it's still the main reason or one of the main reasons why he's talked about because of the brand, the brand that he has built. His brand is not only within basketball. That's crazy. It started, his brand started on a basketball floor, but his brand has gone over to baseball fields, into the diamond. His brand has gone into the boxing ring. His brand has gone into the football field. His brand has gone onto the stage as far as entertainers and and musicians. He has rappers that wear his shoes. He has rappers that do collabs and collaborations with his shoes. He has Louis Vuitton in ver- remaking his own shoe. Like his his brand has far extended it is far extended itself from the basketball floor. It's bigger just than a basketball sneaker. Some I mean hell, most people don't even play basketball in their shoes. They wear it just for, for the the style of it. And uh, I'm gonna be honest, as a guy that wears a lot of sneakers and as a guy that have a lot of sneakers. I wouldn't want to wear LeBron's as I wouldn't want to wear LeBron's as style. It's just not me. Huh? That's just me. That's just me. And, and, it's, and believe it or not, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people's reality. And like, get this: LeBron could possibly win his third championship with the Lakers this year. He could possibly win his third championship with the Lakers this year. That would well his fourth. I'm sorry, excuse me. Damn, LeBron could win his fourth championship with the Lakers. This would be three different teams. That's where I got the third from. He, this would be three different teams that LeBron has won a title with, and LeBron could go on and win two more championships after that and have six rings, and people would still be like. Well, uh, LeBron, he, you know, he went to Miami, Cleveland, then went to Cleveland, then he went to L.A., then he went somewhere else, stayed in L.A., got another title. He, he, it's, the, people are like, he, LeBron, he had, to do, he had to do so much moving and bounce around the league. He had to go to this place, to this place, to get for six rings. So, you know, even if LeBron does have six rings or seven rings, it won't, it, 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 I don't think it will sway uh, most people into thinking that LeBron is the GOAT. I don't think it will. I don't think it I don't think it would swayed most people or I don't think it would. I don't think it I don't think it will. I don't think it will. Um and it's just like I said, it's bigger than this it's bigger than just Michael Jordan's game. It's bigger than that. I, I feel like it's a little bit more bigger than that. Um uh, because you look at it in, in football. You look at it uh, Montana had four rings. Brady has six rings now. But after Brady winning the fifth ring, it was no debate that that Brady was the the best quarterback of all time, and he's just had that title for a couple years now. LeBron could win six rings, seven rings. I don't think. I, I just think there's something. It's like I think there's a deeper love for Jordan. Um, I think Jordan, as far as like the timeline, I think Jordan probably, he probably, he, he came at the right time. 
Um, he emerged at the right time. He was Nike's first big star. Um, and I just think the way how basketball players are commercialized, you see them in a, you see them in the, most of the commercials. Like out of any, out of all the athletes, out of all the leagues in the sports, on your TV screen and, and your and the commercials you see and watch, you see mostly basketball players. You might see a football player here and there. You might see a baseball player here and there. You might see a boxer here and there. You might see, uh, you might you might see something else different here. A tennis player, but with 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 basketball players, I don't know. They're just much. They're they're commercialized a lot more, in my opinion. They are commercialized more than the average athlete. Even the even the top tier athletes in the NFL and in the, in the MLB, you know, stars have their sneakers. They sign the sneaker companies. They set you. You see them in the malls. You see them in the stores. You see them in the. You see them on your television screen. I just think star. I think I just think NBA stars. They have a deeping. They have a deeper meaning and love to it. Um, than I think any other like star in any other sport. The way how they commercialize, you see them everywhere. LeBron James just did a graduation speech for the class. You just see them everywhere. You see them everywhere. So I I just think the way how the, you know, and with Jordan being, I'm not gonna say the first guy on television for you to that that you saw because he wasn't, but face of Nike, face of McDonald's, face of Gatorade, like. In every any uh, like every other commercial, I could I could imagine because I wasn't born, I wasn't living back then. But I could imagine when you were watching the game, every other commercial probably had Michael Jordan, Nike, McDonald's, the NBA, <laughs> Gatorade. That that's that that's only five companies. What Nike, NBA, Gatorade, uh, and um. McDonald's four that's four or five companies that I've named that are first multi million multi billion dollar companies at that. These are big corporations with huge followings. And I just think with LeBron, he's chasing a lot. He's chasing a lot. He's chasing a lot. He's not just chasing Jordan's game. There is a deep love for Jordan in this country, in this world. There's just a deeper love for Jordan. And I think LeBron is chasing more than that. That's why I think the that's why I think this um the, the GOAT conversation is a little unfair with LeBron. <laughs> Cause it's hard to exclude all these other things. It's hard to exclude all these other things. And LeBron, he brings so much to the table. It's like, uh huh. But let's let's switch gears into the Rooney into the Rooney rule. Oh well, no, before I do that, I want to get to something else. After the the last dance, I saw on the internet, Instagram, Twitter, social media. I saw it throughout all social media, and I talked about this a little bit uh, earlier, with people wanting to see uh, some other teams' documentaries. No, I, I, I no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to see it. I, I don't want to see it. To me, I think the, I think the last dance doc was very fascinating from the Bulls' perspective and following Michael Jordan and the Bulls that year. 
it's far more interesting and entertaining. Uh, there's some controversy. You had Jordan. You had Scotty. You had Dennis. Dennis. You had Dennis. You 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 had a lot. You had the front office who was dysfunctional. You had a lot of layers and uh, personalities and stories to really uh, fantasize and think about and hear those stories, those interesting, compelling stories. With some of these other documentaries that people are just are just recommending, you're not gonna get that. Like with the Spurs, Spurs, great dynasty. They had a great 20-year run. I like, I love Tim Duncan. I like Greg Popovich. I like the Spurs, and I like how the way they play basketball. But I'm not going to watch a 10-part documentary about the Spurs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It, it's just not going to sell. It, you, you're not going to be able to sell me on watching the Spurs 10-part documentary. I don't want to watch it. I'm I, if it, if there was one, I wouldn't tune into it. I wouldn't tune into it. I would. And you know, you know, the, the this is the, this is the one thing that I that I, you know, that I don't like about social media and the internet. It's like after one thing happened, there's, you know, we oh, we got to get this. We got to get this or oh, we need this. No the hell we don't. I don't want to see a Spurs documentary. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. What are you going to talk about? What are you, you going to talk about? What is fascinating coming out of that? I mean, they're great. You're going to see greatness. You're going to watch greatness because they won a lot of games and they were great. But what's fascinating coming out of that? What's fascinating coming out of that? I don't want to see Alabama football. I know they're great under Nick Saban. I know that. I know that. But I don't want to watch Nick say I don't want to watch that. That's not interesting. That is not intriguing. What's the con- what, what is the controversy? Saban yelling at a kid? Uh, I don't want to see it. I'm not for it. I'm not for it. Duke basketball. I know it's good. I know they're good. I know Coach K is a good coach. He's been coaching there since what the what what the early '80s, late '70s. I know he's a great coach. I'm not intrigued to see the, the, the no, I'm not, I'm not intrigued to see a 10 part documentary, not a 10 part documentary. No, not, not a 10 part documentary. I don't think it's nearly I, these other examples that people were throwing out on, on social media and the internet. I don't think these other examples are as interesting enough and compelling enough for a 10 doc, a 10 part documentary. That's intriguing. No, no. I'll probably tune into the first one, but after the first couple, I'm like, oh, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. With this Jordan one, I was not done. And I and I, I kind of we already kind of knew the outcome. Jordan's gonna win championship. We already knew the outcome. We knew the outcome for some for most of this, most of what they show in the last dance. But I was glad that I got to hear some of those stories. And it was fascinating. Some of this this other crap. It's not crap. Let me not say that. This other, these other examples that people are just throwing out, ew, I'm not interested. Just not interested. What are you going to talk about with the Spurs 10 documentary? You, what are you going to talk about? You're going to talk about Greg Popovich, militant, militant background, Dem Duncan, Ginobili, David. What, what are you going to talk about? Nothing is fascinating about that. 
Not for ten, not, not for ten whole episodes. Nothing is fascinating about that. Sorry, sorry. I'm I'm sorry. It's just nothing fascinating about that. But like I said, let's switch gears into the Rooney Rule. Uh, the NFL and this whole Rooney Rule. So if you don't, so for people that don't know what the Rooney Rule is. In the NFL, there is a lack of uh, minority coaches and uh, and executives and GMs. If you don't know, there's a lack of that. There's 31 owners. The Green Bay Packers don't have an owner. There's 30. There's 32 teams, but 31 owners. Like I said, Packers don't have an owner. They're all white. So you know, white. You know, so they're all white, and to be an owner, they have to vote you. Got they have to vote you in. Now, from the from 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 my perspective of the Rooney Rule, the Rooney Rule is to provide opportunities for not for minority coaches, mainly black coaches, um, to get jobs, to land jobs, to land coaching jobs. Now, there was an idea thrown out that uh, if you it, they're gonna they're gonna add an extension of the Rooney Rule because now basically teams, coaches, I mean teams and GMs and owners have found loopholes to to get around the actual Rooney rule. So in order in order for black or minority coaches to get opportunities or to have a shot at the, the job at least. Um you have to you in, in the rules like you have to interview them, but owners and GMs have just gone like they found loopholes to go around that. And it's like one of them loopholes, we see it it happens very often but um, one of the loophole, one of the loopholes can be um, you know, the the team already has a coach in mind. The team already has a coach in mind, but they bring in a black coach just for the hell of it, just so they can fulfill that that Rooney Rule. So just so, so just so they can fulfill that, and the black coach goes into the meeting, into the interview, not having a damn shot to get a job, but. Teams have to dot their I's and cross their T's as far as the Rooney rules. So they bring them in, they sit down with them, and, you know, they interview them. But, like I said, the team already knows who they want as a coach, and it's just a loophole, and they're just trying to dot their I's and cross their T's. So an extension of the Rooney rule was proposed, um, was proposed, and it's base it's an it's an it's a incentive as far as if you hire a black coach you move up in the draft if you hire a black gm or an executive you get you 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 gain more picks so you gain more picks if you hire somebody black you shouldn't you shouldn't have to have an incentive to hire somebody black like there shouldn't be an an incentive behind that so I'm I I I object and I I I oppose against that extension as far as as far as the new as far as the Rooney rule I I don't think you should if you're trying to win I don't think you should you you, you should be if I don't, if you're trying to win you should just try to win hire the best coach possible not the coach that you feel more comfortable with um, and like I said, I don't think there should be an incentive for you hiring a certain guy at a or or female at a certain race. I I don't I don't think you need to I don't think you need to do that. And minorities and you know it's it's the fact of the matter. It's that the Rooney rules. It's designed for black coaches, 
but they put it in the wording in the verbiage of minorities because they they you know Latino community and females as far as in in the coaching realm but this is really designed for black coaches to get more opportunities which the Rooney rule uh as of lately really hasn't done so it hasn't that's that that was that was that was the reason why it was created and put into place in the last few years, the last several years at that, at, I mean, at this point. It's just that that has not been fulfilled. And the NFL, I notice a trend. They, might, they, they, they come up with minor changes, but these minor changes that they, that they often come up with every couple years, they don't, they don't lead to anything significant. They're actually insignificant. Uh, as far as their changes that the that the, ch- the changes that the NFL aim to make, they're insignificant. Um, this rule, the Rooney Rule, was put into place in two thousand three. Get this, the rule was put into place at two in two thousand three. But three years later, there were three black. There were there were two coaches in the NFL, and those and both of those coaches three years later. Made and they coach, uh, they coach against each other in the Super Bowl. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now the likelihood, the the likelihood at that at, at that that happening, very slim. Two black coaches in the Super Bowl, it's very slim. It was only two coaches in in the league. Two black coaches in the league, only two black coaches in the league, and for them, both of them to make the Super Bowl, highly unlikely. It happened though, and within within three years of putting. The ruling rule into place. Um, now, seventeen. You fast forward. That happened in two thousand. <clears throat> that happened. The rule was in place and put into place in two thousand three. You fast forward seventeen years later. Like I said, in two thousand six, two black co- two black coaches coached in the Super Bowl. There's only been two two coaches. In 2006, there were only two coaches. There was only two black coaches in 2006. In 2020, going into the 2020 season, there are only three coaches, three black coaches. There's only three black coaches in the NFL. So between 2006 and 2020, there has not been an influx. There hasn't been an increase in the black. Well, it's been an increase, but it's 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 marginalized, and it's only by one. So that's not much of an increase. And that's the problem. The NFL, they they aim to make minor changes, but these minor changes are not they don't they don't they don't equal up to be effective and significant changes. Like this there's no significant outcomes. There has been the outcomes have been insignificant. If if you if you judge it I mean, from 2006 to 2020, 2006, there were two black coaches. 2020, there were three black coaches. <laughs> That's 14-year gap. That's a 14-year gap. And it, it, what's happening is the black coaches, the black coaches that do have jobs, they get fired. They get fired. And then the team that fired them don't replace them with another, like, minority coach. No, 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 no. They fire a black coach and they bring in somebody that they like, even though that particular coach may not have the like a great resume. 
and they, and they may not just have they they may not just be a a great coach, but they still get they still get the job because of who they know, who they're friends with, a favor. It happens all the time. And with when I have nothing against Cliff Kingsbury at Arizona, but but Cliff Kingsbury was not a great college football coach. He was he wasn't a great college football coach. I look at a guy like I look at a guy like Brian Shaw or David Shaw up up in Stafford. He's you know these last few years in Stafford has been good, but he's had he's experienced more success than than Cliff Kingsbury have. But Cliff Kingsbury he he, he did a did an awful job at Texas Tech. He had a good offense most years, but his defenses were 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 bad. His defenses were bad. And Kingsbury didn't win many games in the, in the in the in the Big Twelve. It's not like he's in the SEC. No, Kingsbury was in the Big Twelve and didn't win a lot of games. And that was his 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 own alma mater fired him. He went to school there in Texas Tech, and they fired him. That's how bad he was in Arizona. In Arizona, he got the job because he has a relationship with Kyle Murray. But I look at a guy like Eric Bimini that. The offensive coordinator for Kansas City Chiefs. I look at a, I look at a guy like that, who who's had his number one offense for the last two years. He's 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 done a, he's done a hell of a job in coaching or being or calling plays for that Kansas City offense. Yes, he has great talent around him, but he's making the correct play calls. And you would think he would have a shot. You know, he would have a shot to get a coaching job, and that just has not happened. And this past offseason, we had so many coaching openings. We had so many coaches coaches openings. And I hate to do it. I, I hate to, like, compare other I – hate, I hate to do it, but it's just the fact of the matter. Look at a guy like Joe Judge, who, who's a, who was a position – he, he was a position coach. He wasn't a coordinator. He wasn't a D coordinator or the offense coordinator for the Patriots. He was a, he was a position coach. Wide receiver position coach – and special teams coach. He had to, he had a similar job at Alabama. I know he, he's worked with some great coaches, with some all-time coaches and Belichick and, and, and Nick Saban. But Joe Judge is not even, he's not even, he hasn't even been a, a, a offensive or defensive coordinator. And he gets a coaching job and he gets the Giants. He gets the Giants job at that. The New York football Giants. He gets that job. But a guy like Brian, um, um, Byron Leftwich that has has not gotten the proper opportunity. Like I said, Kansas City, Eric Minimi hasn't gotten the proper opportunity. And you can make a you can make a case that Eric Minimi is probably one of the best, if not the best, office coordinator in football. You can make you can make a case he's one of the best coordinators in football, and hasn't received hasn't hasn't received the interview. Hasn't received the opportunity to be to, to get to have a coaching spot, but guys like Kim, Cliff Kingsbury, he has a job in Arizona. We'll see. We'll see how that go. But he has a job in Arizona, and I'm high on Arizona. But it's just a fact of the matter that Kingsbury. I don't even know if he can coach for real. I mean, he has a relationship with Kyler Murray, and his offenses at Texas Tech was pretty good. But I mean. Once again, one could one could argue he played he he coached in the Big Twelve. All most of the offenses on the, in the Big Twelve are pretty good. So due to all, due to the bad defenses that's in the Big Twelve. 
So, I look at a guy like Joe Judge. Yes. You know, you may, you may, you, and if he does a great job with the Giants in the next few years, God be the glory for that guy. God, God bless him. God bless Joe Judge. If he does a great job with the Giants, great. But I don't think he will, I don't think he went up the ranks properly. That's just me. And I get it. He coached for some, like I said, coached for some all-time legends at the coaching position with Nick Saban and Belichick. I understand it. But he don't have no experience as a defense coordinator, calling plays, offense coordinator. He don't have none of that. And I just, I think that's where the NFL lacks. In the NFL, like I said, they got to start making minor, they got to start making minor changes. Uh, I, 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 you know, there's a, la- there's clearly a lack of opportunity for black, co- for opportunities for black and for black coaches in this league. And it's almost like, yeah, the, the black players are really good and the black players, they're good enough to win you football games on the field. But as far as a black coach, they're not good enough. They don't have enough leadership. They don't have enough maturity to lead a group of men, and not only a group of men and a group of team uh, or, or a team, but you're also saying that they don't, they don't, they can't lead an organization. That's what you're saying, and I don't know. I you and I, I talk about it all the time. Thirty percent of this league, coaches, teams don't know what the hell they're doing. I guarantee it. Some of you, some of you guys' favorite teams have no idea what they're doing. I guarantee it. Your favorite teams, some of your some of you guys' favorite teams have no idea what they're doing. And their coach has no idea in what they're doing. There's some bad coaching out here. Like, like not all these coaches are great coaches. I, I or great. Good coaches. Not all these coaches are good coaches. So I, you know, I'm not I'm, and I'm not trying to attack anybody or attack anybody that has a coaching job, but you, there is a, there, there, I mean, clearly, clear as day. There is, there, there is a clear discrepancy in the as far as the coaching, and when you have, and as simple as this, it should, like I said, it shouldn't be an incentive. You shouldn't have to have an incentive or a price tag on your head to win. If you're an owner, you and if you're an owner and you're in a GM position or you're in an executive position. You should as as at that being at that position, you should choose the proper coach and the coach that gives you the best possible chance to win you football games. That's what it's about. It's not about who you like. It's not about who you know. It's not about who this person know. It's not about who you're comfortable with. It's about can you win football games? Because as the GM, as the executive, if you don't win football games, that's your job. That, that that's your job. So in there's 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 numbers to back it up. Black coaches, black players, black executives give you the best chance to win football games. Simple. It, it, it's as simple as that. Black coaches, black players, black 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 people on the coaching staff give you a better chance to win football games. You go go look at the numbers. Go look at go look at go look at win loss totals, and and you really can't base it off of just you can't really base it just isolate wins and losses because you know teams don't have certain talents. Other teams do, but I'm telling you, go look at it. Black coaches, black players, black executives—they give you black people what 
They give you the best chance to win football games. And I thought that's what it was all about. That's, that's what I thought it was all about. So, the, you know, I think the NFL, they need to come up with some changes, uh, not just minor changes, but changes that will, that will not effectively because, that, that, that not effective quickly, but changes that will last periodically because the, you know, it, you know, we had, they, they had a little spurt here and there when they hired a black coach, when they hired a black coach, they gave a black coach opportunity but two, three years down the road, owner, excuse me, owners and GMs find loopholes to get a, to get around the Rooney Rule. As simple as that. Simple as that. I catch you guys after a quick break. Um, we're gonna get into um, we'll talk about the Steelers. The Steelers. We're gonna talk about the Steelers next. So <clears throat> the Steelers have been um, a real big talking point because of Big Ben and I, a lot of people out Vegas, a lot of uh, 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 like a, a lot of odds makers. They they think the Steelers going to be pretty good, and I like the Steelers roster uh, for the at, at least the defense. I like the I really like the defense. I think their defense uh, it, it was te- it was top ten. In a lot of categories last year, that's really what kept that's, that's really what kept them competitive, and um, it won them a few ball games. To be quite honest, uh, I like Mike Tomlin as a coach. He he may not be uh, Andy Reid or Belichick as far as schematically, but I think with his grit, with his personality, humor. Uh, you know, with his football knowledge, I think he's really good. I think he's still maybe I don't know. Maybe you can you could probably name five coaches that's probably better than Tomlin. But Tomlin is definitely a top ten coach. He's definitely a top tier coach in football. Um, now with the Steelers, usually in the, you know on this podcast, on this podcast, I talk about front office. Front, I talk about front office coaching, GM, and quarterback. I talk about that all the time, and I think those are key attributes, key things that that you need to have straight going into uh, going into the football season. I look at those. I, I look at those things. I like those things. You can have the flash receiver. You can have the flashy uh, running back, and all you you know you can have that. But I look at that coach quarterback tandem, and then I look at the coach. I mean the coach and GM, and who's in your front office? I look at that. I, I in football, I look at that. I, I, that that's 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 the most that's the most important things to me, and with the Steelers, yes, great organization, rich history, rich background. I've um I've talked about or I've alluded to this point a lot about the about the Steelers uh not firing their coaches. If you're a coach, that's the best job to get. The Steelers, they don't fire you. They coach well. Uh, they they usually have talented rosters. They draft well. They scout well. They I mean they're not afraid to spend money. You know, it's just an all around good franchise, but. 
as I look at the top teams in NFL, I get I, like my 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 Ravens, Chiefs, 49ers, Saints, Seahawks. I, I don't the Steelers in my opinion, I don't think they're as good. I don't think they're as good and this is why I've you know for the last for the past couple of weeks I've been talking about Roethlisberger, I mean, in the Steelers, Roethlisberger's health and his condition, and I've been talking about the Steelers' backup quarterback situation. It's bad. Mason Rudolph, Duck Hodges is not going to get it done. I thought they should have went out and got Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston's a little bit more similar to uh, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, big quarterback, strong arm, but uh, that but it's very prone to make a lot to very prone. To throw a lot of interceptions, you can he can learn from Big Ben for a couple of years. I thought Jameis Winston was a backup quarterback that uh, the Steelers could use. Good, solid organization, solid foundation. Uh, and then now I'm saying Cam Newton. I think Cam Newton similar to Big Ben, uh, big big quarterback as far as stature. But um, Cam is a little bit more mobile. Cam is a little bit younger. I think Cam he may come with a little bit more baggage. Uh, both both kind of. Got both Ben Roethlisberger and Cam Newton kind of got their they got their baggage that comes with them, but I think Cam would be a good he'd be a, he'd definitely be a better quarterback than Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. He's better than what you got. I've been tough and skeptical on Cam, but he's better than what you have right on, on your roster. And we kind of already seen Mason Rudolph not gonna get it done. Uh, Duck Hodges, cool name, but it's not gonna get it done. And um, this is why in, I, I, I continue to cons, you know support my prediction as far as them being an eight and eight team. I think the Steelers will be eight and eight because I quite frankly don't know what Ben Roethlisberger is gonna come back and look like. He put out a video, uh, I think it was yesterday. He put out a video of him throwing to his receivers. Cool, just cool, cool, cool beans. But uh, I still think they're gonna be eight and eight. I don't like I, I don't particularly like the personnel on, on offense that they have. Uh, you know, Smith Schuster, he's taken a he's fell back since his first since his rookie since his breakout rookie year. He's taken a couple steps back and I know he's trying to adjust to being the number one guy and uh last year the quarterback situation wasn't the best. But uh I I I'm not sure if he's a good number one. Now I know he's a good number two, but I'm not sure if he's a number one receiver in this league. So defensively, I like those personnel. Mike Tomlin is a defensive guy. I often got on Tomlin about him being a defensive guy and his defense not being good or solid or productive. Well, last year that wasn't the case. His defense was solid. His defense was productive. But it was the offense that held him back. Now, this is where I think the Steelers, they got to start thinking rebuild, rebuild. And you know how, and, and when you say, I think in sports, it's you know, we when we say rebuild, people think, oh, they're just gonna be bad. No, you're not gonna be. When, when, when I'm talking like teams, and, teams and coaches, teams that have Mike Tomlin and teams that have Bill Belichick, like the Patriots. When I say rebuild, I'm not saying they're gonna be. They're not, I'm not saying they're gonna go four and twelve or thirteen and or or, th- or three and thirteen. I'm not saying it's gonna be a rebuild like that, but. A eight and eight season, a seven and nine season is 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 inevitable, and that's the same thing I said for the Patriots. Now I don't know what Jerick Stidham is. Uh, I don't. I, I'm I, I'm pretty sure he's not Tom Brady. Um, I I don't think he's Jimmy Garoppolo. So we we gotta see. And looking at the Patriots' weapons or offense, 
I think they got to start rebuilding. They, they lack playmakers. They lack explosiveness on the outside. They didn't address those problems, those needs in the draft or in free agency. So I think it's going to be a rebuild year. I think they still win, what, seven, eight games. But, uh, uh, you know, I think the same thing for the Steelers. Steelers division, tough, tough division. Because Baltimore, Baltimore, I don't, I, you know, this is why I got to revisit my, my, my overs and unders and my predictions. Because Baltimore, looking at their schedule, Baltimore, Baltimore may lose two games. And that's it. Uh, the Browns, I think the Browns will have a bounce back year. They got better. They, the Browns felt their needs. The Browns, the, they felt their needs and they got better in spots where they didn't need to get better at. Like Austin Hooper, uh, tight, great tight, good tight end. He's a, he's a good tight end, but you already had David Njoku, but it's more weapons for the Browns. So the Browns got better a little bit. Cincinnati's going to suck, but that's where Pittsburgh fits in, right? Pittsburgh fits in at 7-9, and 8-8. Nine, eight and eight. And it's not going to be a bad year for Pittsburgh, but it's not going to be a good one. It's not going to be a great one that everybody is predict- or most people is predicting. It's just not going to be a good one. It's just not going to be a good, a, good a, a great year that most people, most media people are predicting. Because and some of that is because of Ben Roethlisberger's health, and I just have I have questions about what he's going to look like. Is he going to be in top? Is is he going to be in tip top shape? Because Ben Roethlisberger has never been the guy that's been the workout freak or the workout warrior. So, would would that change at at, at age thirty eight? Uh, don't know. I don't think so. You know, I think uh, Roethlisberger. He's um, he he. You know, it's it feels more like it's legacy over legend or legendary because. It's just it just seems like Roethlisberger's good years or his best years are, are just behind him. That's what it seems like. It just seems like his best years where he was a, a a top five quarterback is just behind him, and not just behind him, but it seems like he's years removed from that. Despite not playing much last year, uh, it, it just seems like he's he's years away or removed from his prime years. Now, I told you guys, I'm going to revisit my over and unders. Um, Looking at some of these schedules, and I, I've been talking about this with a couple of people, it just seems like the all the good teams, the teams that won a lot of games last year, when I mean, and what I mean by a lot, I mean a team uh, that went like 10 and 6 or better. So, Teams that had double-digit win totals last year, it seems like their schedules are favorable or easier. Now, I think this, and you can probably go back and date back uh, and see what the rec, what teams' records were, but with limited OTAs, well, with no, well, scratch that, with no OTAs at all. And the way how things are going, probably a limited training camp. This is why I think the Cowboys will be a 9-17. and 17. Because with a new coach, uh, your quarterback, it, 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 hell, some teams have new quarterbacks. But with a new coach, a new system, a new strategy, a new scheme, that will take a couple weeks for quarterbacks and offenses to adapt to. And 
I'm not sure. I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just skeptical of teams that have that have new coaches, and they have to implement new schemes because week one, two, three, possibly even week four. After week four, quarterbacks and offenses and teams should, you know, games under their belt, they should have adapted and adjusted to the new scheme. But like I said, for Cowboys, by week four, I think the Cowboys would be one and two. and Or by week four, I think they'd be one and two. So week four may either make or break certain teams. But for the good teams, like I was saying, for the good teams, for the better teams in the league that had really good records last year, your 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 49ers, your Ravens, your Chiefs, that your Saints, their schedules are favorable. Their schedules are so favorable. And I look at a team like the 49ers because I know some people are worried about the 49ers having a Super Bowl uh, hangover. Per se, the, the, you know, the, the, the people thinking that the 49ers are going to have a Super Bowl hangover. But uh, I look at the, the left tackle position, for example, for the 49ers. Joe, St- Joe Staley was a really good left tackle for the 49ers. But I must say, Trent, Trent Williams is an upgrade from Joe, St- from Joe, Staley, Joe Staley at left tackle. I must say, Joe Staley retired. The 49ers were able to trade for Trent for Trent Williams. Um, when healthy, Trent Williams might be left the best left tackle in football when healthy. So it is an upgrade for the 49ers. And I look at teams like 49ers, uh, Baltimore. They got better. But even Buffalo. Buffalo got better. They got they got a better receiver in Stephon Diggs. They got better. And now, you know, Buffalo, they got a, they got a go-to receiver for their young quarterback. They got better. It's, it's as simple as that. They got better. And looking at the schedule for some of these teams, like I pointed out Baltimore. Baltimore doesn't even take a West Coast trip. Baltimore, Baltimore last year had a couple West Coast trips they had to take. They don't go out West not one single time. The fur the furthest they go out west is Cincinnati, and that's once. And Cincinnati, that, that game, that game's gonna be that game's not gonna be close. That game's probably not gonna be close. So, you know, my over and unders, I, I I'm gonna stick with my prediction. My, my like I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my division winners because I like Baltimore to win it. I like I like Baltimore to win the North. I like Kansas City to win the West. I like New Orleans to win the NFC South. I like um, I like uh, I, I like uh, Philly to win the NFC East. I like I like Seattle to win the NFC West. But boy, oh boy, you you're gonna have you're gonna have a couple a couple thirteen win teams. Baltimore might win fourteen games. Uh, Kansas City might win thirteen games. You're gonna have a few. You're gonna have a few eleven win teams. I think you're gonna have. You're gonna have some. You're gonna have some big win totals in NFL. Uh, just looking at these schedules, all the good teams that bring back their quarterback and their coach. So I'm talking Green Bay, San Francisco, 
Baltimore, Minnesota, Seattle, uh, Kansas City, they're gonna have their win totals. I think gonna go up. So I think I have Buffalo at nine and seven. I might bump it up to ten and six. Um, because you know, I I, I just think how the way the schedule's going. I, I'm a I'm a bump it up to ten and six. But uh, I have a we gotta we gotta talk about the Jordan Doc, the Last Dance Doc, really quickly a little bit more after this quick break. Uh, I catch you guys after this quick break. Okay, so in the Jordan doc, this is the last thing we're going to address. We're going to get it. We're going to close it out with this. Often there is uh, some mis- there's some some mystery and like what ifs with Jordan and the Bulls, and cause what if he doesn't retire? What if he uh, what if he what if the Bulls come back after the '98 season and see if they can win? They can go for a four peak possibly. What if could like how, six for six? How many more championships will what would or could the Bulls won with Jordan and you know his that core team that they had with Phil and Scotty and Rodman? How many more could they get? And sometimes that's often the question with this. That was often, that was that was the question that was brought up because it was like, how could Jerry Krause break up such a dynasty? How could he break up such a great team, a team that was winning and you know just kept winning? And some of that is true. Half part of that is true. As Jerry Krause, I, as a GM, you probably wouldn't uh, break up a team after uh, after a, a third straight title. Just wouldn't do it as a GM. Just wouldn't do it, and I mean, if you're and most owners would not allow you to do it and break up a team and dismantle the coach and don't pay the stars. It just wouldn't happen like that in today's. It, 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 I don't see. It, I don't see it happening in today's game. Some if something was to go down like that, it, it would be a travesty, and the and, and the GM would get mocked for doing so. It, it would get mocked for doing so, just like just similarly to what Jerry Krause is getting. Um, but sometimes it's okay to walk away a little early. We we often see it with Belichick. We often see it with Belichick when it comes to Belichick and having, when New England Patriots have star players and Belichick plays them and he uses them, but as they age and as their value diminishes, very often in... Very often, Belichick, he he sees signs of of you know of of of, of players decline before us, the media sees it, and he's very uh, he's not he's not he's not he is not hard pressed to get off of a guy and move a guy, trade a guy, or cut a guy too early. You rather do he does it. Either he does it too early before it's too late. That's usually what Belichick does. You and you and it, and it, and it doesn't. Not, it doesn't. It literally does not matter who you are in that in that organization for the Patriots. He did. He, he he tried to do it with Brady. He tried to do it with Gronkowski. He does it with. He does it with mo- just about all of his star players. He gets rid of you before it's too. He gets rid of you too early, rather than too late. Because too early is like, okay, you, you you probably got one more solid year 
uh, you know, in you. But then after that, that's when your skills are going to start to diminish. And Belichick is such a master at it. He does a, such a great job at getting rid of players before it's, before it's too late. And sometimes in situations like that, it's just you, it's better to move off of things early then it be too late and you're trying to move off of it. You don't get the you don't get the, 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 the correct value or the value you think you should get back off of that. Whatever it is you're trying to move off. If it's stock, you, you, if it's you if, in any situation in life, stock, you know, it's very high, it's it's pricey, it's doing well, sell it too early. If you sell it too early, sell it too early or to keep it too long. You keep it too long, you don't get the represent value that you thought or initially that it had. That it had. And that's what Belichick gets. That's what Belichick gets. That and that's the that's the that's the thing that Belichick gets. He gets that he gets that pattern. He gets that trend. And with this Bulls dynasty, it's the same thing. It wasn't like I mean, they had a that 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 ninety-six year. They were steamrolling people. That 96 year when they went 72 and 10, they 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 were steamrolling people. They were still they were really good that year. They were really good that year. But 97, 98, you know, people don't want to talk about it because they won games. They won a lot, of, they won champ, they still won championships, and they still were able to, they still were able, they still was able to come out on top. But uh, you know, Jordan age, Scotty age, Cool Coach was never really a good defender. Started to age. See, so there's in you know offensively they were challenged. They didn't score in 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 the, in the Utah series. They didn't score in neither series. They didn't score a hundred points. They 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 never reached a hundred points. So they were offensively challenged, and um they all and they and doing the dock and doing whatever doing the dock. They talked about, they highlighted the point that Carmelo was a matchup problem. Now, take this into account. The year, the next year after the Bulls won the sixth title, their sixth and last title, the, that next year, the strike year, Spurs won the title that year. The Spurs swept through the West that year. The Spurs had two bigs in David Robinson, the Admiral, the Admiral, and then Tim Duncan, a young Tim Duncan. If Carmelo was a matchup problem for the Bulls. David Robinson and Tim Duncan would be a, a, a be a crazy nightmare. I, I mean, it, it would be a crazy nightmare if if, if Carmelo was a was a was a matchup problem. Duncan and, and Tim and Duncan and David Ross, David Robinson would be um that would be a nightmare for the Bulls. And like I said, offensively challenged. And you know, throughout those that Indiana series, they talked about. Out of, but when it comes to the Eastern Conference, besides Detroit, Indiana, the Pacers gave the Bulls a lot of. Uh, they gave them a challenge. They gave them the. They gave them the best fight. Out, you know, when when you're speaking out east, they gave them the best fight, and they will a lot. A lot of times, and no, a lot of times in those series, as they highlighted, they won those games due to championship moxie. Uh, champ, you know that the the the, the, the mental state of being a champion and Jordan down the stretch made big plays. Jordan down the stretch 
made big plays. Jordan down the stretch made big shots. So that's what it, that's 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 what those series boil down to. Jordan making big shots and them and the Bulls just having championship moxie. Uh, champ, you know, being you know being mentally challenged already years prior. Already have that in their back in their back in their back pocket. They that's why they won. That's why they won those series. But they didn't even reach a hundred in those Utah series. They didn't. They didn't even reach a hundred. So they were offensively challenged. Uh, even even Jordan didn't. Hit. Jordan, even though he played, even in that game six, even though he had forty five points, but he shot thirty five times. He he went fifteen for thirty five. So it's it's zero hundred point games, zero hundred point games put up by the Bulls offensively. They were challenged offensively, and they had the best player in in the world, and they were still they were still uh, average offensively. Needless to say, they were still averaged offensively, and I think the Bulls dynasty or the Bulls run in the nineties, I think it probably ended on time. It probably ended just at the right time. It ended just at the right time. I mean, Jordan had a great game six. His last game as a Chicago Bull, it was a great game six. But he went 15 for 35. He had 45 points, but he had thirty. He took 35 shots to get there. That's all I'm saying. I think it was a good series, but I think it was, a, you know, Jordan. Like I said, they won those playoff series. They won those last two championships with championship moxie and Jordan coming up big in big moments. That's what that's what it boils down to. Uh, but thank you guys for listening to another episode of the IKP. This has been really good. This has been really good. Um, the Jordan doc concluded. It's over. It's finished. ESPN did a great job with that. Uh, the, 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 the directors of the Last Dance did a really good job with that. I like how it was plotted. I like the I like the format of the of the doc. Uh, like I said, people say it's one sided. I don't care. Uh, that was the that was it was one sided, but it it may very well have been one sided. Even though you got different perspectives and different coaches and different players' input and intel, it might have been one sided. But hey, um, that's the one side that we care about most as media and fans. That's the one side that we care about the most. Uh, it was Jordan's side. Uh, but thank you guys for tuning in again. Continue to stream this podcast. Continue to whatever whatever you do it from Apple, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, wherever you do it from. Uh, continue to stream. Um, numbers are doing good. We're doing great. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening again. I am out. Peace. Always remember two choices, one decision. God. Yeah. Yeah.